Welcome to Insights into Success, where with your host Paul Dodds, we hope to educate, inspire and motivate you to achieve your own personal success. We talk to guests from all around the world from a variety of walks of life to hear the realities of their own journey to success. What challenges have they faced, how they cope with failure and what have been the keys or will be the keys to their own success. In our Read to Succeed interviews, we talk books that have inspired our guests and for some, they share their secrets to marketing success. Join us as we give you insights into success. Okay, well, welcome back to Insights into Success, where we're now doing a short segment called Read to Succeed. And our guest from our recent interview, Peter Diaga, has agreed to stay on and share some of the books that he's read. So, Peter, the floor is yours. Tell us about some books that have inspired you, what they are, who wrote them, and... Yeah, a little bit more about what it was that really resonated for you. I'll give you three. Start off with one by Atul Gawande, A-T-U-L-G-A-W-A-N-D-E, Atul Gawande. The book is Checklist Manifesto. If you're doing anything in your life that requires a whole bunch of different processes to take place at the right time, then what you need to do is create a checklist. We have checklists for flying a plane. Before you take off, there's a checklist you have to follow. There's something called the safe safe surgery checklist. And it has to do with what are the key things that you as a doctor, as an operating team, have to be certain of before you perform brain surgery or an amputation or cesarean section. Now, how many things do you think would be on that list? Hard to say. You think it'd be a lot. You'd think it'd be a huge amount. Yeah. But the reality is that the safe surgery checklist has, I think, 23 items on it. Okay. And the first thing to do is introduce yourselves (laughs) and what your responsibilities are during this procedure. When they put the safe surgery checklist in place, they reduced returns to the operating room like 50%. They reduced post-operation infections by 30%. Huge increases for very little effort. Some of the questions are, did the person receive their antibiotic dose within the last hour? Yes or no? And if your answer is no, then you have to make it yes. As in, no, they haven't. Fine, give him one now, and now we can take it off. Until you get all the yeses on that checklist, you can't proceed. Do you have the patient's blood type? Yes. No. Do you have their blood on hand? Yes. No. Real real simple stuff. And the the book is about how the safe surgery checklist came into place and how important it is. And it relies heavily on something called Pareto, the 80-20 rule. Yeah. What are the 20% of things that we must do right to make sure that we have that 80% success rate? And narrow it down. What are the most important things to do? The safe surgery checklist is the the core of the discussion but the checklist manifesto is an incredibly powerful book for anyone who deals with process okay 
The next one is a tiny little book. Okay. Uh, Are Your Lights On? <laughs> by Gerald Weinberg. G-E-R-A-L-D. Weinberg. W-E-I-N-B-E-R-G. And it's about problem solving. But from the most peculiar way. Basically, it talks about real-life situations. I'll give you one from the book. Large building, elevator system. Elevators, the clients, the customers, the residents of the building are complaining that the elevators are too slow. How do you solve the problem? Well, one response, and the, ten, the one we tend to jump at, is, well, we have to make the elevators faster. Well, that might work, likely will work, but there's a different approach to it. Put up a large vanity mirror on each floor right by the elevators. What will happen? People come by, straighten their tie, and all that's taking up time. And now the elevator's there. They no longer feel that the elevator is slow. Thanks to perception. It's all perception. Yeah. And the entire book is about stuff like this. That's just one example. Uh, Gerald Weinberg was my mentor. I went to a consultant's camp with him in Mount Crested Butte in Colorado for about a decade. We'd be there every year. We'd spend a week with a guy, and he's brilliant. There's another book that you can get of his. All of his books are great. All of his books are worthwhile. Uh, becoming a technical leader. If there was one book that changed my career in terms of being a manager, it was that book, Becoming wow. a Technical Leader. Give you one more. The Diffusion of Innovation by a guy by the name of Everett Rogers. And that book is the Bible about change. It will tell you everything you need to know about how change is embraced by communities. And it talks, this is where the terms laggard, early adopter, late majority come from. Oh, okay. All of those are mathematical definitions. You look at the acceptance curve. There's an acceptance curve that we have. It looks like a bell curve. And he says, okay, um, the first percentile that we're going to call this, and the next percentile we're going to call that. And then he said, what are the characteristics of those? And when you really understand where those terms came from, then you have a better understanding about what change management is all about. There's a notion that laggards are people who resist change. And there we go. Then we go around and we say, okay, who are the laggards in our organization? Makes sense, right? Except yeah. it's totally wrong. It's totally misusing the facts. My first computer, I purchased my first computer in 1978. That would make me a what? Early adopter, right? I didn't get a cell phone until 2006. That makes me a laggard. How can I possibly be both a laggard and an early adopter? Because the terms only have meaning with respect to a specific change being looked at.
There's no such thing as laggards in your organization. None. There are no people who resist everything. And everybody's now going, oh, yes, I, you haven't met Bill. You know, you, we have got Bill in our department. Uh, <laughs> uh, Bill didn't reject everything. He got married. He has kids. He got the job. He, you know, he went for his business. He, all of those are changes. He learned new skills. All of those are changes. He's not a laggard in everything. He's a laggard yeah. in particular things. And once you really understand where change is coming from, why people resist, why they communicate, how they communicate with each other, what's the power of having an influencer on your team rather than someone who's a resistor, then you really understand change. So checklist manifesto, how to organize your work much, much better than you've ever done before. Are your lights on? A little tiny book on problem solving that will change the way you think about problem solving from stem to stern. It'll make you a better problem solver. And then the fusion of innovation, which is about how change is embraced by organizations, communities, church groups, your family, your friends, everything. And wow. if you wanted to know how important that is, the way we brought about COVID mitigation in the world never picked up the diffusion of innovation. They never looked at the book. And they made every, every conceivable error in how they brought it about. <laughs> they paid no attention to change management. They really didn't. Wow. That's the applicability of these things. Interesting. Oh, well, that's an encouragement to go read the book to understand that better. I could start listing you books. Every year on the webinar series, we have a, a, a year in review where Mark Mullally, my partner in that series, and myself, choose three books each. We've been doing this for more than 10 years, three books each. And at the end of the year, we go through some of the books that we've read and what we get out of them and why they're important to what we do. And usually that's framed within the context of four managers. Here's what you need. So Peter, what's your style of reading? What type of, how do you read? Is it audio, um, Kobo, physical book? What's your preference? Primarily physical. Uh, I'm on the, I have a Kindle on my iPad. That's where my 600, other 600 books are. Uh, yeah. Audio books I listen to when I'm driving. I can't listen to them anywhere else. It just doesn't work for me. I can't stay focused enough sitting at home listening to an audio book. It doesn't work. Uh, but curl up in a nice big comfy chair with a hard book in my hands that's my preferred style and what about recollection how good are you recalling what you read and do you have any special tips on how to better recall what you read if you mean memorize i'm lousy at it i <laughs> i don't memorize words i i have nothing but the highest regard for people who can rhyme off poetry and all the rest i'd love to be able to do that i i know the techniques i just haven't invested the time to do it now, do I remember ideas? Yes. Uh, I'll, re I'll sift through a book and the ideas will stay with me forever. I mean, there are half a dozen ideas in Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, for example, just stick in my head as a way of understanding something. There's an episode there where the guy's got uh, something loose. There's a, a tightener that's loose and it needs a shimmy. Basically, a thin piece of metal that you can put in to increase the width, and now you can tighten it up a bit better. 
And I remember in the book, the guy starts cutting together, you know, cutting apart a, a Coke can because it's the perfect metal. It's the, the right uh, malleability of, you know, it can bend properly, can be used. And his friend is going, oh, my God, you can't do that. you got to go to the store and buy it. Uh, no, no, I don't get to buy it. I have it in my hand. All I have to do is cut it apart. That's what quality is all about. Quality isn't how much you pay. It's how well it works. And that one's, that's one of the key ideas inside Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. I've read that. I read that book 30 years ago and reread it every couple of years just because every time i read it i get more out of it the yeah. book hasn't changed i've changed yeah i bring a different perspective to the book that's why there are a handful of books a couple of dozen that i will reread on a regular basis because i've changed and therefore i will get something different out of it and do you do you make notes from your books? Do you mark, you know, certain paragraphs or sentences within books? Or I don't mark up books, uh, not because it, you know, it, it's sacrilegious or anything. <laughs> I, I just tend not to write in books. I will take notes on a piece of paper, and I do that as a memory aid more than anything else. I don't go back to them. Uh, no one ever does. Uh, we just don't do that. That's not. But you write it down so that you remember it. Yeah. Um, I remember when I was a kid uh, learning math, and you go into the exam, and I got cheat notes all over the place. I got cheat notes in my sock and up my sleeve <laughs> and all the rest. And I've written these things out great deal, you know, uh, paying full attention to what I'm writing. But I found I never had to actually look at them because of the fact that I wrote them. Yeah. I knew what I wrote. So never had to yeah. And that's why you, you want to remember something, write it out. That's the way to do it. And just one final question. How often do you read? How many books would you read in a year? There used to be a day, a, a time where I used to read a book a day. Wow. Now I'm always reading, but it's not a book a day. It might be a book a week. Yeah. So. Still a lot. I have 6,000 books on the bookshelves. <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right peter well thank you so much it's been fantastic talking to you today you've um yeah had a really interesting perspective on things and you've definitely given us some books to to read that um i've not heard of before uh which is great and that's what it's all about so on our website we've basically got a whole bunch of books with uh book reviews from goodreads to encourage people to go there and get inspiration on what to read from some really interesting guests such as yourself. So there are thank you for taking the time books. and contributing. There are tons of good books out there. I mean, we could do this for five hours and I wouldn't touch all the books we could talk about. For sure, for sure. Well, thank you so much for your time, Peter, uh, and I uh, really appreciate it and all the best. Thank you very much, Guy. Be good. Stay safe. Bye. Thank you.